don't throw away that knowledge. Allow yeah. people to move forward with transparency. By all means, raise a flag and say, you know, guys, you really should have been doing this. Uh, why isn't this complete? But actually, we've got a pressing that we have to move on. Yeah. At least we made yeah. the decision with our eyes open. We recorded that fact, and then we learned some things. And maybe the learning is, actually, that deliverable doesn't, isn't as important as we thought it might be. Or it might be, let's not do that again. Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Glad you could join us again. My guest today is Steve Rogers, and I've known Steve for a long time. He is a principal solutions architect at Sophion, and he's been working with a lot of customers for uh, quite a number of years uh, in various aspects of, of knowledge management, innovation, new product development, technology development. He agreed to join us today to just share some of his experiences and, and things he's seeing in the, in the space. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks, Paul. Good to be with you. Yeah. Where, where are you speaking to us from? I'm based in France, and uh, I'm a Brit, as you can probably tell by my accent. I've been in France uh, six years, and I'm still nowhere near French. Uh, I'm about an hour south of the Loire Valley, and about an hour and a half in from La Rochelle. So for those who don't know France, it's about a third of the way down on the left. Okay. Is it winter there? Do you have harsh winters, or is it easy winters? Or Usually we have some sub, sub-zero temperatures, uh, talking mm -hmm. centigrade, uh, so below freezing for... Well, France is inland is usually colder than the coastal areas, so we're about an hour and a half inland, so we get some sub-zero temperatures, but yeah. um, nothing too harsh. Uh, no yeah. great snows to uh, to speak of. Uh, but yeah. I I lived yeah. for many years on the south coast of the UK, and it's generally colder here in the, than it is in the UK because it's yeah. uh, it's it's a little bit further from the coast. You're sheltered. Got it. When you have the got cold. it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, um, you know, thanks for joining us, Steve. Just first question I would ask you is, how did you get started with innovation? How did I get started? Wow, that's an interesting question because the my roots with in business, uh, in fact, my roots in in my education were in psychology, and one of the things I've been fascinated by through my career is how people and processes interact. You know, so one of the key interactions that, that uh, is around innovation and is where people have ideas and they begin to develop those ideas. And how do you begin to put something that is fairly nebulous as an idea into a real process? And so when I started in my career, I started as a systems analyst in IT. I got out of psychology into uh, in, in, into IT pretty early on. And then I moved into workshop facilitation and uh, JAD and um, uh, those kind of techniques. And those techniques established for me some wide understanding of how a lot of different business processes worked. And the ones I, I really drew to most were around innovation, around new products, and, and particularly around those knowledge, uh, those knowledge processes where you're capturing knowledge and reusing it 
and that's something that uh, that we've spent a lot of time over the years doing. That was in my early part of my career with Sophion and its precursor company, uh, Polydoc. We were that's real focus on what we were doing uh, back in the 90s. There was knowledge management was a big buzzword, and um, what that meant was very different to a lot of different people. But I spent quite a bit of time working with knowledge management. Uh, and the, in that process and about how to deal with language and how an understanding of that and how do you reuse some of that knowledge and what it means to have uh, have knowledge uh, and how valuable that can be to a company and that led quite naturally into in fact into uh, innovation space the key dialogue there was um, a meeting between uh, Sophion and uh, Bob Cooper the father of Stagegate which Many of the listeners will, will be familiar with Bob. And we were able to put in place one of the first, or perhaps the first system which took Stagegate and was able to support it as a process, both in supporting decision-making on one hand and bringing the process disciplines on one hand, but also capturing the knowledge and what you discover and what you learn during the course of your innovation processes and new product development. And that was really the start of really true innovation interest for me. Uh, it bring, brought together a lot of the threads that I've been interested in, new, new, uh, new product development and business process improvement, and of course the, 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 the human process uh, interaction. And so that in a nutshell, that, that's really where I, where I got into it, uh, where, where I, uh, I cut my teeth, as with Stagegate. Yeah, that- Fantastic. I've, boy, I've got a lot of questions, but the first question I would ask is, uh, share your definition of innovation. Yeah, there's a broad school of thought in, in a lot of different directions yeah. isn't there, around innovation. When I use the term, yeah. I, I use it very broadly. I know that there are some who are thinking about ideas and uh, sometimes term ideation. And um, yeah. how do you bring an idea uh, forward and get it uh, invested in? That's certainly a part of it, but for me, that's only a small part of it. Um, innovation for me is actually bringing a lot of new offerings into market. I use the word offerings because it's not just product. We think of new product development, don't we? And uh, But around a product is a whole host of things, not just this, the services, uh, nor the, um, just the business model. But there's perhaps a lot of infrastructure. There's things out socially that need to change to take on a new product. There's new ways of being, new ways of working, and an, an innovation. There was a there was a great book. It really it really got me thinking. Um, about six or seven years ago, Larry Keeley, Ten Types of Innovation, and I, that if you're not read that book, I'd really recommend it. It's a really easy reading book, and that book painted a picture of where innovation and particular sort of radical breakthrough innovation differs from what most people think of just as innovation. So new product development, bringing a new product to market, or just the idea bit. But he outlines 10 different major areas of innovation. And the research that he did was interesting because he found that the real breakthrough innovations were not big innovations in any one of those 10, but typically a combination of. And there's only two of the 10 that were really around product and all of the rest were other stuff. And the point is that you can take an existing product, wrap some other stuff around it, whether that's a business model or services or whatever it is, and 
break the market apart, completely blow it, blow it apart with exactly the same product, with probably the same consumers as, as you had before. And what you were being radical and innovative about wasn't the product itself, it was a lot of the other things that come around it. So no, I no longer sell tires, I, I, I sell the, uh, the experience of being safe in your driving because you never have to think about yeah. it again. You know, and you, right. you almost lease the tires on your car rather than go out and buy them when they wear out. Very, yeah. very different way of different way of operating, but but this exactly the same product. So when I think about innovation, I think about all of these different threads of things that you could be doing that makes a difference to you and your company and what you offer, and uh, the and, and the market that you can uh, you you can bring and expand into. Yeah, you know, and when you were talking earlier about knowledge. And, you know, a lot of people just jump right to process or they jump right to project management, right? And they're missing the fundamental pieces. We've had some guests talk about the human aspect of innovation, but let's talk about the knowledge aspect. Tell, tell me more about your thoughts around that. Yeah, so there's, for me, knowledge is one of the fundamental things that you are innovating. If I bring a new product to market, uh, a new pen, I bring a new pen to market. Um, and we, we ship millions of these things, perhaps when, when we've got a successful product. But actually what we learned in innovation wasn't how to ship millions of pens. You probably knew that already if you've got a pen business, nor is it any, any one pen, but it's in the knowledge about how to make it, what it does for you, and the uniques that that thing uh, creates in the market. It's not the physical object at all. Very often it's the knowledge that is the valuable thing that you've just created mm -hmm. by your innovation process. Now, when we think about innovation, we think very much about the decisions that need to go on as you go through, particularly as you're whittling down from perhaps a large pot of ideas. And we talk about the funnel and bringing it down to a, uh, a smaller set, a really valuable set, really picking the winners and then taking them through the process. That's a, a, a whittling down of the of the ideas and also the knowledge, but that decision-making process that we've got in there is, is really the heart of what's going on, but it's not all that's going on. And we talk about collecting data and about data-driven decisions, and uh, we build processes that, that support decision-making uh, decision and decision-makers. But that's not everything that's going on because part of what we need to create also is the knowledge repository of what we've learned. Yeah. And that might be of all the failures that we've had. You know, the stories about mm. Edison and his light bulbs. You know, how many times did he fail? Was it 10,000 before he came up with the combination that worked? But he'd learned 999,000 ways that not to do it. And that's really valuable because I don't want to invest in trying that all again. So the knowledge yeah. we create and the knowledge that we capture and how you, be, how you capture it in a way that is usable I think is a, an, an intrinsically important part of that innovation process. Yeah, let's take that from from. Uh, I wrote a, an article uh, a year or two ago called "Corporate Memory," and hmm. uh, you wrote back to me on that and, and and encouraged me to write a second one, which I did a follow up. But I know you have a lot of thoughts about that. You know, the knowledge of the individual versus the knowledge of the company, right? And how do you how do you deal with that? So share some of your thoughts about that, that uh, kind of corporate view of knowledge. 
Yes, I think we have we have a very individualistic thinking about uh, well in the whole of our society in the West, I, I think in particular. But ultimately, the 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 value asset uh, that we've got in terms of knowledge is uh, first, of course, in, in somebody's head, and we need to be able to get it into a place that's reusable and not lost when we lose the person uh, when they leave the company or or worst case scenario they they would pass away we that knowledge is lost if it's only in their head so how do you get that into a form that is uh, reusable and, and capturable now sometimes we think about just simply putting it in documents and we've all had the issues where things are lost on hard drives they're scattered all over the place i think today there's uh, so many more places that we could keep this knowledge and documentation that the challenge has shifted. The challenge is not getting it online. It's, it's sometimes finding it online. You know, even over the last uh, couple of years, the, the experience that we've all had with, with, the, uh, with COVID and with being uh, isolated, we've used a different set of tools. You know, email used to be everywhere. And my email was a great source of corporate memory for me. You know, if if thinking, what was it that uh, Paul had said about something, usually you'd emailed it to me. And it was an email right. dialogue, and I could use Outlook or whatever email tool I'm using to search it and find it. And I kept, I never deleted emails because they were, yeah. they were a source of history uh, and, and uh, traceability and corporate memory for me personally. Now, in our experience over the last couple of years, a lot of other tools have come uh, into the forefront. Microsoft Teams is a big one, of course. And, but even in Teams, and then I've got my, my OneDrive, and I've got things locally on my laptop, and they're automatically synced online. Great, I can't lose it anymore. Um, but <laughs> was this a OneDrive document, or, or was this on Teams? And if it was on Teams, what team was it in? And which channel yeah, right. was it in? And which chat, which with with which group was it in, and, and stuff just gets lost. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so just having it electronically isn't the answer, is it? And and being able to find and and, and capture knowledge in a way that is reusable, but first off findable, is a yeah. challenge that, that that is still with us, and I think we still need yeah. to get better at. One of the ways that we address that with the solution that we bring in, Sophion, and just to plug ourselves for a little bit, is embedding those that documentation, that knowledge, we capture it embedded in the context of a process. We know who wrote yeah. it. We know the project that they were on when they wrote it. And we don't have to go tagging around. All, all the, it, every, you know the context that this project is. So it comes automatically tagged, if you will, with a lot of information. Uh, I know that this was a, pro a document that was created in the early stages of a project. Right. So it was perhaps early thinking, not late thinking. This was a project that actually got killed in stage four. It didn't go to fruition. Or it led to a really successful product launch, for example. Uh, those two differences in knowledge will color my understanding of the document that I'm reading. The, all of the information that's around that uh, that document is a valuable asset to help me find the content of the document and then when i find it yeah. then you you know you can you, you can dig it and you can begin to understand what the document was who wrote it why they wrote it uh, and therefore what it says to me in my context uh, very much better
and so having that yeah. that context of the uh, of the document is is a useful a useful asset not just having it in one resp one repository as well so i think that yeah, that a, whole really question point. of corporate uh, knowledge and how we handle it and how we work with it i think is a is an ongoing challenge for us yeah that's uh that's some really great perspective i've been talking a lot speaking and writing about you know, we're seeing such turnover now. Maybe it's exaggerated, the great resignation. Okay, maybe it's not that bad. But there is a lot of turnover. And there are a lot of innovation workers that are changing jobs, leaving companies, and new people coming in uh, all the time. And so, you know, I think this, your idea of the knowledge, you know, especially, you don't want to lose the knowledge when somebody leaves, right? That, that belongs, that, that all that knowledge on that innovation really belongs to the company. Right? So the company has to make sure they have it. And then to your point, a new person comes in, that new person has to be able to absorb it. So even if I'm on a team, I join an R&D team, right? I'm in the it's in the middle of some process and maybe, maybe a, a senior scientist just left, right? Maybe I'm the senior scientist to replace that person. How do I come up to speed? It, it's a very good point. Uh, that learner up. curve can be very steep, can't it? Yeah. One of the most common areas that our, that our clients and our, their processes think about this area is lessons learned. Mm. You know, you, you get to the end of the project and you think, okay, we, we ought to record some lessons learned because that's what all the books tell us we ought to be doing at this point. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, so, but I, I have a colleague, he refuses to call it lessons learned, and he says it's lessons uh -huh. identified. Lessons <laughs> identified because we haven't necessarily learned them yet. Uh, and um, uh, probably the proof of the pudding is how many times have we recorded this lesson? <laughs> and yeah. Here we go again. Yeah. We're going to have to learn that again. But but that putting yeah. that apart for for one moment, um, it's only a very small step in the corporate knowledge to record lessons learned at the end of the project. To my mind, it, it shouldn't be at the end of the project anyway. It should be throughout the project. And it shouldn't be the, re the realm of the project manager. It should be everybody involved in the project. You know, we learned some lessons about the supplier we were working with or about the market we were dealing with, about this compound that we were trying to we get to do something. Um, and, and there's all sorts of lessons. It's not just about project management and did the process of the project go well. That's important, but it's not the key knowledge that's in, in, involved in, in, the, in that um, knowledge capture process. But one of the missing steps in most applications that I've uh, I've come across is lessons reused. Yes. And how do yeah. you find that again? Even if you can search it, what's the my motivation for being able to search that information? And how do I find something that's relevant? I've just yeah. got masses and masses of stuff that people wrote. And how do I find something that's going to make a difference in what I'm doing and so that I do my project differently or I don't make the same mistake with that compound or you know I, I steer clear of that supplier um, and being able to identify and then make use of that knowledge I think is a challenge that uh, I, I've not often seen addressed and even more rarely seen addressed well. Yeah that's fascinating I'm thinking about process and, and the processes I've seen you know, preliminary market definition, preliminary technology assessment, all those upfront things that happen in an innovation project. I've never yet seen one that says, 
you know, research previous lessons identified or, or you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. it seems to you, yeah, there's the question of how do you do it or can you do it? But there's also uh, just reminding people that they should do it. That seems like it would be a great process step. Is anybody in that you've worked with, you work with a lot of companies, have you seen anybody in practicality doing that yet? I've seen companies try. Packaging client of ours, they have in stage one of the process, they have identify lessons that are relevant to the project that you're about wow. to embark on. And, and what are you going to do differently as a result of that? What I haven't seen is people taking it seriously and making a big, uh, uh, a, 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 you know, a big steps forward in their, their, their knowledge. But in fairness, I'm not involved in their production processes. So I would right. pro probably, probably see that anyway. But I was encouraged that they actually had that in there and began to make, make use of that. I think one of the things that, that has been on the fringes of technology in our business context for a long time now, and by that I probably mean 15 years or more, are some of the technologies which are able to read and collate together a yeah. knowledge. And some of these technologies have been around, we've had them within our own company for, for, uh, for, for years, but they never seem to have broken into mainstream. And the way I think about those sort of technologies is you know I've got a database I could search it I've got Google I could search it uh, it's great for finding a needle in a haystack as long as I know the name of the needle right you know, if, if I can put the specific words in I, I get loads of great hits but you find something that's missing how do you even begin to search for something that's not that's missing and yeah. tell me something that's not there uh, th and that that sort of search, I think, is a very knowledge intensive, uh, a knowledge intensive search. And there are technologies that that will allow us to begin to do that sort of thing. And I classify it as thinking, well, for goodness sake, don't make me go and search for this information. When I'm starting my project, yes, I really ought to be thinking about lessons learned. Other people have done stuff like this. Can I learn from them? But how do I search for it, and and what should what should I search for? Should I be searching every week in my industry journals for things that are relevant to me? Right. Making a search yeah. every week. Perhaps I should be, but I've got a I've got a day job. I've got stuff to yeah, do. Right. Always always stuff yeah. in, in in the way, and having something that gives me the coffee machine experience, where you know you're there making a coffee. Colleague comes in, say, hi, how are you doing? Hey, tell you what, I read a great art article. You'd love it. It's really up your street. And I'll, I'll send you the link. And great. I yeah. read the article. It tells me something I didn't know, starts me off on a new train of thought, and it, and it's really valuable. Well, how do I get a machine to give me that coffee conversation? How do I, how do I get it to read everything that's out there, know what it is I'm doing and what I might be interested in? Now, there's technologies that will do that. I would still love to see that technology come into the mainstream of what we're doing in, in our business. Uh, there are a lot of great language technologies out there, not least, of course, in my experience living in France of translation technologies, which are becoming ever better, thankfully. Yeah. But, the, but I think those use of those language technologies for mining this resource of knowledge, I think, is something that we've not really even begun to scratch the surface within mainstream organizations. Isn't that fascinating? So knowledge management has been around, 
the first time I remember ever hearing about it was probably in the 80s, right? So call it, you know, 35 years, maybe longer for yep. all I know. I mean, I'm sure there were some computer scientists working on it before then. But uh, and yet we in some ways it feels like we've made so little progress on it. Yeah. I think you're right. And, and I share that feeling. It's a somewhat disappointing feeling. But I think there was a lot of people getting on the bandwagon with with knowledge management. I remember reading this article on knowledge management by one of the big consulting firms that was in the UK at the time and thinking, this is so familiar to me. And we went in the archive, did some searching, and we found the exact same document dated about five years previously under the heading quality management. And they rebadged it and republished it. And it was now about about knowledge management. And the systems that people thought about when they went to knowledge management were things like the yellow pages in my company. You know, who knows knows what? They need a lookup of of the competence that everybody's got. And I remember we were talking with the research company in the UK around those that time. It must have actually been in the mid-90s, a bit later than you mentioned but they were wanting this sort of yellow pages. And we did some calculations to say, even if your top scientists only spend a small proportion of their time telling you what they know, uh, it will be such an expensive resource. And what they will tell you is what they want you to know. They won't tell you about the stuff they're no longer interested in, the stuff (laughs) they didn't really enjoy at the time. It'll be the things that they'd like to get into, the things that they're currently excited about, um, yeah, yeah. And, and they will tell you as little as possible and then get back to what it is they're interested in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. And so that yeah. that knowledge you get from those sort of systems are really incomplete and actually quite expensive in terms of the amount of time and effort to collate it and maintain it. So whether you believe the content and it's useful to you is quite questionable. And in that context, I'm not surprised that knowledge management came and went as a concept and as a, as a sort of burning right. issue because it faced those sort of those sort of issues and those sort of solutions. So, um, yeah, I share your uh, your disappointment yeah. in, a, in, in a way that, that we haven't made more of that. And, and there's still more to come, which is kind of exciting for the future, I think. Yeah. You know, but but I think what is good uh, is it, we were able to do knowledge capture. Right. Especially if you do it in the context that you, were, you, you identified earlier. Right. If you can get it in innovation in the context of the type of, of work that was being done, the type of product that was being created, that, that context around it, if you can capture it, get it captured. And uh, and then you you you. All right. When these future technologies come, you'll be ready for it. And I've watched organizations shift from you remember in the early days, all the knowledge was in Lotus Notes. Right? Yeah. And many companies came over to the work we were doing, the system we were doing, and they brought that in. They made a big deal of, look, we got to bring this all this documentation forward. Some didn't, right? And so the moment you didn't do that, you lost a bunch of knowledge. Um, so it's in there, and hopefully when these tools come, for those organizations that have been really over the long term doing this, uh, there's going to be some tremendous opportunities there to mine that as, as you can just watch, like you said, translation moving so fast. Some years ago, we said, why we, our, our corporate knowledge is in documentations in English. And we know for other language, other people speaking other languages, how, how difficult that was for them to really access it. And that barrier is going to fall soon. So capturing the knowledge, having it in a system, over a longer term, I think it is really valuable. And that's that, 
It's a corporate asset. Think about it as a corporate asset. My advice to listeners would be make sure you capture that stuff. Don't be willy-nilly changing your, your innovation system every five years without thinking about how do I preserve all that previous stuff. It's easy to say, let's cut and start new. But I think, um, you know, there's, uh, that's, that would be some bad advice. That's my, my thoughts on it. You agree? I do agree. I, I, I have one, cl one client I was thinking of uh, who still insists on deleting projects when they're done. Mm. And yeah. I still can't get my head around why. Yeah. <laughs> and we've had the yeah. conversation time and time again over, over the years, but they insist yeah. on cleaning yeah. up and they delete yeah. corporate knowledge. And one it of the other little stories that I, I'll bring that I've had, a conversation I've had numerous times with clients, is when a client says, for example, I, one client put their hand up and said, the system's broken, there's a bug in it, because I can pass this gate and move the project on, and all my deliverables are not completed. It's a bug in the system. Mm. So I yeah. said, it's not a bug in the system. That's exactly the way it's designed to work. And they said, that's no good. It can't, it can't possibly work that way. So my, my next question was, why do you want the system to lie to you? And it completely <laughs> threw them. So yeah. I said, well, what's going to happen if you make it mandatory that all of your deliverables are set to complete it before you're allowed to press go and move to the next stage of the project? And they said, well, yeah, people are going to go down, you know, complete, 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 complete. Now I can go. And I said, what have you just done? You've just wiped out some knowledge, some information, but probably knowledge that we, the, yeah. the knowledge is we went ahead without having done this. Yeah. And there may be implications down the line for that. And if you've just wiped out that information that we went ahead and we proceeded without finishing something, then um, there, there's one big lesson that you're not going to be able to learn because you will have forgotten about that when it comes back later to bite you in the bum. So, so don't throw away that knowledge. Allow yeah. people to move forward with transparency. By all means, raise a flag and say, you know, guys, you really should have been doing this. Uh, why isn't this complete? But actually, we've got a pressing that we have to move on. Yeah. At least we made yeah. the decision with our eyes open. We recorded that fact, and then we learned some things. And maybe the learning is actually that deliverable doesn't isn't as important as we thought it might be, or it might be, let's not do that again. But fundamentally, let's not throw away the knowledge simply uh, uh, simply by deleting things. That's and a, it's so easy. A conversation to think... I've had so often, and uh, <laughs> yeah. whether it makes me smile or frustrated, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Well, when you think on a single project, you know it, it's one thing, but when you think about over time, there's knowledge for sure that Absolutely. could be maybe in the future could be very valuable, right? So it's easy to say, well, this project doesn't matter. But it, it, when you've got a bunch over time, I think it does matter. Okay. Well, Steve, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Um, it, you know, I, I just I hope you come back and talk to us more. I think um, you, I mean, I think you mentioned it, but are companies adopting technologies now do you think in five years ten years it's already been 20 years and we haven't solved this problem but but do you see progress <laughs> i i do i do see progress but i think i think that progress is likely to come from some of the small players and not necessarily mm. the big ones I, uh, there are there are technologies that are in the mainstream the big mainstream and, and again microsoft teams is one that, that comes to mind it's come on leaps and bounds in the last two years 
uh, sort of driven largely by the work from home need. Uh, and there's stuff built into there that probably would never have got built in had it not been for the pandemic. Right. But yeah. the, the, the use of tools and the use of technologies, which are radically clever very often, is so available by little entrepreneurs, small startups, and, and, and companies mm -hmm. that are, are uh, minnows by comparison to the, you know, the, the Microsofts and Googles of this world that yeah. they, they are very agile and what they're creating is really powerful. And with a, in the, the, the SaaS environment, you can just get online and you're, you're straight in there and you can try one and you can try that one. Didn't yeah. work for me. Try that one. Hey, that's worked. And I'll plug it in. And, and it's yeah. the analogy perhaps is, is like the limpet sitting on the side of a big ship. You know, they'll attach themselves to teams and all of a sudden teams is doing this other stuff. It may not be. Right. Teams itself, and 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 I think yeah. the interconnectedness of, of of tools and technologies like that, and when we talk about the product-led uh, sort of revolution in some of the software that's coming on, I, I think that will be a a big driver to these technologies. Ultimately, the technology get, does get swallowed up by the big players and incorporated, right, and, right. and so on and so forth. Yeah. And you hope some of the small players get get uh, get reward for it in the longer term. But, uh, you know, that, that's quite often the way of the world, of course. Um, but they're much slower moving. And I think the really exciting stuff and the, and, the, and the penetration of small products and small capabilities into the hands of people really doing the jobs, uh, I think, is, is, is very much more uh, open now than it used to be. Uh, the technologies are, are getting established, the routes to market, the routes to people. And it's not a big market anymore. It's individual here. It's a person there, yeah. and, and they can pick up a tool. They can find they can find it useful, and the word of mouth kicks off. And then social media or whatever that you you get you get the viral effect, and 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 things can really take off uh, in a map in, in a very short uh, period of time. So I think that that's yeah. I think we're going to see more and more and more of that, which is a challenge for those of us who are more established in a particular industry. How do we embrace it? How do we go there? How do we catch that flow? And how do we how do we perhaps take some of the same tactics? I know we're wrestling with some of those questions ourselves internally, yeah. which, is, uh, which is great to know. Well, that, that was really a great, uh, great summary of our session. I, I love the idea of a big player like Microsoft creating a place for a lot of small players, uh, limpets, as you said, to innovate around it. Uh, Maybe not the most complimentary um, analogy, but uh, that, that's, that's the one that came to mind. It's, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve. Well, hey, thanks for joining us. Um, really appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, let's do this again. I know there's uh, a lot of other ideas and thoughts you have you could share with, uh, with listeners. So love to have you back. That would be fun. Thank you, Paul. Great. And to you, your, our listeners, thank you for joining us. I, I hope you enjoyed that. Oh, Steve, I wanted to ask one question. Uh, if people want to, because they, they like what they're hearing, I mean, what's the best way to, uh, to kind of keep tabs on, on some of your thoughts and what you're doing? Uh, LinkedIn is a great one. Uh, there's a lot of resources yep. there in, in LinkedIn. I'm, I'm there. You'll find me in the Sofion team. And um, yeah, please reach out. I'd love to, uh, love to connect. Great. Thanks, Steve. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. And I will talk to you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com. 
S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com. <laughs>